0: Amen. Let's do the rest of the service as a duo, right? Passing it over, you ladies did an awesome job. My name is Jeff and I just want to kind of take you through a few steps of things that we've learned. We've been doing six weeks now of Teach Us to Pray and uh, I've learned a lot and so for a few minutes here we're going to do some physical demonstrations so that uh, we all can learn together and then we're going to dive deep into that verse. Now how many of you have ever discovered something that you've been doing wrong your whole life? All right got some here now bananas every normal person I know opens a banana just like this right but evidently the animal kingdom chimpanzees have taught us that you're supposed to open a banana from the other side and then it's so much simpler it also gets rid of that little knot you never really like to eat anyway and now you have this perfect banana I've been doing it wrong my whole life now not as big into bananas as I am cupcakes. So, now a cupcake could be an intimidating thing to face, right, you see this giant thing, you're supposed to eat it in one bite, but that's too big, I can't eat that in one bite, and I'm gonna get chocolate all over my nose, and I'm gonna look like a fool at the party. So what do I do? You break off the bottom, you make a cupcake sandwich, and now so easy to eat a cupcake. I've been doing it wrong all my life. I had no idea. Now, since we're all in Miami, if you are blessed to have a mango tree at your house and you're getting mangoes all the time, we had a great one for the longest time. And I would get a mango and, you know, being from the Carolinas, I would peel it like a potato, you know, just cutting skin off, like I need to get to the good stuff on the inside. And then by the time you do that, you're holding this fleshy, juicy thing that's just everywhere, and now I'm just trying to cut chunks of it, and it's a mess. Yellow fingernails afterwards, all that good stuff. I didn't realize all you have to do is turn it oblong like a football, and then you just cut close to the center like that, You spin it, you do it again, and now you have these perfect slices of mango where all you have to do is just cut them out just like that, and you're good to go. Beautiful mango slices. I think I might eat, no, I won't eat some now. But I've been doing it wrong all my life, making a huge mess, but I hope you learned learn something from that because I realized I'd been praying wrong all my life, all right? sounds like a weird statement we started beginning the series saying look everybody knows how to pray if life is desperate if life is hard there's no atheist in a foxhole you're gonna pray if things get bad enough all you gotta do is just put it out there but what we've learned over this time is that there's really a lot more to prayer than just a desperate cry that there's a lot more to it and in my first community group i was meeting um with kirk and his dad mark and we were reading some of the statements that were there. And the one that just kind of hung on to me was that prayer is not preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. And I was like, hmm, that one really rang with me, except it's like, well, maybe not battle, but let me look at it this way. Prayer is not a means to an end. Prayer is the end. Because I realized my view of prayer really was that it was a means to an end. You would pray to get something. And so prayer was just a process to be able to get what you need. Oh, I'm having a financial situation. Let's pray to get money to solve it, right? Oh, I'm having a relationship issue. Let's pray so that that other person will get right and our relationship is good now. Oh, I'm having, uh, you know, I'm sick. Let's pray so that I can get healed and then now I'll be better. It was always, let me pray to ask from God so that God will give me something and now I'm done praying because it was a transaction. Prayer was a means to an end. It was a way to get something that I wanted or needed. But I was doing it wrong the whole time. And so that lesson stood out to me. It wasn't much longer after that that I had a great invitation to a pastor's prayer breakfast. Uh, Voo Church had, had hosted a breakfast for pastors in the area that, just to encourage them and just to give us, you know, some, uh, a good time to be together and see what's going on and just, just fellowship. And, and the pastor there, he made this statement that stuck with me. He said, prayer is not a philosophy. Prayer is karate. And I was like, okay. Now, in order for us to understand what prayer is karate means, I have my friend, Luke Drake, who is a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. All right, Isaiah, you're gonna help me with my movements? All right, so Luke is gonna demonstrate some Taekwondo black belt moves. Awesome job, Luke. Now, let me ask you a couple things about becoming a black belt. How long have you been training? Seven years. Seven years? How old are you? Ten. (laughs) Yeah. started at the beginning. That is awesome. And what what does it mean to train? What do you do? What's that like? Well, I go to the dojo three times a week to gain more information. And all the other days, I'm at my house uh, practicing the information that I learned. Awesome, excellent. And what benefits do you get from being a black belt? Like what good is that? It's given me the opportunity to teach to the youngers. It's helped me with discipline and past my fears. Excellent, awesome. And can I be a black belt if I just buy a black belt? Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure that you can buy one off of Amazon. But in our dojo, you have to earn it. A black belt is a white belt that never gave up. Awesome, all right. Give it up, thank you, sir. So, here's why prayer is like karate. It is something that you have to be disciplined to do on a regular basis over and over and over. You have to create habits in your life of prayer that go consistent over time for you to really see what it means to live in prayer. It's not only able to be this kind of like immature version of prayer that I was living in where if something bad happens I say a prayer and hope something good comes in return. See, that level of prayer will always lead to a frustration and a hopelessness of why isn't God answering or just what isn't going on because I haven't really adopted what prayer is like. I'm trying to be a black belt just by having a belt, not by actually training to where it becomes who I am. See, because prayer is so much more than just a cry of desperation asking for what I want. And so prayer is karate in that it's a, it's a discipline. We get to see all the things that he could do because he trains over it. And then, as you learn these disciplines, it begins to flow in other areas of life in a way that you don't really expect. There's a book called The Power of Habits by uh, Charles Duhigg, and he references the idea of a keystone habit. So a keystone habit is a habit that in itself might be valuable in it, but what it does is it unlocks other habits and other disciplines for you, okay? So like exercise is a good keystone habit. If you get a routine of exercise, what'll happen is as you exercise, you'll realize, oh, I'm starting to make better choices of my food and of my sleep and other things like that because I've started this regular routine. And so that habit creates little wins that make you succeed at other habits as well. Uh, I've heard that making your bed in the morning is a habit that if you do that, those people are more productive in life. That because they wake up and they say, here's a thing I'm going to get done, that they then have an easier time in life making decisions to get things done. Uh, Another one similar to that is you never hit the snooze button. Right. If you set the alarm, you get up on the alarm. If you hit snooze and you do the 10 minutes, the 15 minutes, the 30 minutes, now you've already set yourself into saying, I can get away with not doing what I intend to do, and you start to delay all your other productivities because of that. These are keystone habits that lead to other things. Uh, There's one in families. Families that have family dinner together, it says in all other areas that you can measure, a family is healthier and happier because they have family dinner together. Now. Dinner's not magical. In fact, sometimes it could be quite stressful or difficult to put together and the conversation could just go all over the place. But just the very idea that there is that habit of togetherness, it changes so much other behaviors in the home just kind of as a downflow of what happens. You see, because habits can lead to other things. Prayer is a keystone habit in your spiritual life. When you begin a habit of prayer, you're going to realize that this impacts all of the other areas of your spiritual life that you are seeking God in. In fact, we were at the, I was visiting in the 10 a.m. couples class, and Heidi Drake in that meeting, she had given out this uh, statistic that kind of shocked us as we thought about it. It was that couples that pray together have a less than 1% divorce rate. And she was giving that as a thought that many times we think, you know, divorce, uh, marriage is 50 50. Maybe it makes it, maybe it doesn't. It's all just a big crapshoot. And in the end, you hope you did. You got lucky. But it's like, no, there are habits that change those statistic numbers dramatically. And praying together made it almost impossible and almost didn't exist at all. That's amazing how that one spiritual habit can lead to so many other benefits in life is that you see because prayer is a keystone habit now with that in mind i want to go back to those verses that we started at this is philippians chapter 4. now when we look in this verse you're going to see a lot of outcomes that are going to come from prayer and these are the things, fruits of the spirit, things we seek from God in many ways. It begins with this, rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. Think of joy and celebration, something we all want in our life. In fact, the pursuit of happiness is, is, is one of the key indicators of, of what is viable in life. What are we here for, what do we want? Well, I want to be happy, I want to enjoy. So, prayer leads to joy. It says, let your reasonableness. Now, some translations would use the word gentleness. And so when you think about these words are kind of strange, reasonableness uh, as a way. But think of it of someone who, when there's uh just stuff is going crazy, there's strife, there's angst, there's things happening. Someone who is able to be reasonable through it. When there's conflict, someone who's able to be gentle with the conflict and able to resolve, and able to withstand, and endure, and have resilience, and all these things are kind of wrapped up into that concept of this reasonableness. So as the world goes crazy, or as things get difficult, or as trials fall down on you, someone who has built a life of prayer is able to withstand, and even endure, and deal with these things with a gentleness, with a reasonableness says, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse six says, do not be anxious about anything. This is a verse you've heard a lot, right? Whenever there's something in our life, in fact, anxiety, depression, these are, are huge, huge issues now in our society, things that are most talked about. And so this verse is like, look, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer stops anxiety. And so it becomes an outflow of the habit of prayer leads to other solutions. We're talking about joy. We're talking about able to handle. We're talking about anxiety being taken away. It says with thanksgiving, gratitude. One of the key indicators of happy people is that they're grateful people. People who are grateful in their lives enjoy so much more of their life. And so prayer brings us gratitude. It says, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Peace. Something we pursue and we want in life. It says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It says peace to the level that someone goes, how, how are they doing that? How did they get through that? How did they smile through that? How are they that kind even though this thing happened? It makes people go, how is that even possible? It it surpasses my understanding that someone could do that to them and yet their reaction was this, that this could happen to them and yet they still display this. And so you see that prayerful life brings about a peace that goes beyond understanding because it guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, because that is where it happens. It's in the heart, it's in the mind. What goes on in the world around us is important, but it is not the main determining factor. That's how you, that's why you could see people endure the same kind of trauma and yet have completely different reactions and results because it's how the heart and how the mind deals with things is what happens. And so what the promise from God is that Christ will help to guard your heart and your mind through these things. And so this verse begins to show us that prayer unlocks many things. It is a keystone habit, not just prayer, but what prayer brings in this relationship with God starts to fan out into all areas. Now, I do have a warning about this. Because sometimes what might happen is if you go through a bad time, maybe someone will share this verse, or it'll come to your mind, like, do not be anxious, but in everything through prayer and supplication, like, all right, I'm gonna pray and it's gonna go away. And then you realize, ah, oh, that didn't work. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still bothered by it. I'm still anxious about it. Because we're using that old mindset of prayer as a means to an end, not an end in itself. I'm still using that mindset of, okay, I'm gonna say a prayer so that I can get out of this problem. I'm gonna say a prayer so that I can get this new solution. We're still using the mindset of, of using it as a means to an end. And it hasn't been incorporated into who we are yet. We haven't adopted it as an identity. We're not a black belt in prayer yet. We're just going to the closet and pulling out a black belt. And we're hoping that that will fix whatever's happening. But there is this, this key phrase that is there that it's just so easy to overlook this phrase. In fact, whenever I've read it, I've gone past it, and, and we focus on the don't be anxious, but pray and God will give you. But what are the three, four words right before don't be anxious? It says the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Now, we don't say is at hand very often, right? We don't say Jane is at hand, even though she is. She's present. She's here. She's real. She's with us, right? That's what that statement is. The Lord is real. The Lord is present. The Lord is here with us. The Lord is participating in this, and he's a part of this. He's in it. He is at hand, right beside you. You could reach it with your hand that is the key phrase in this it's not about meditative habits and what they could do for your mind it's about realizing that God is with you no matter what you're going through that is the key factor that changes it from just an idea of praying to hope to get something from response to praying is the thing to realizing that Jesus is here with me. Think about the mindset that has to change in me. If I don't really believe that the Lord is at hand, when something bad happens, I feel like it's happening to me. I feel it's too big for me. How am I gonna figure this out? This is gonna ruin my life. This is gonna be forever. I'm an orphan, I'm alone. Nobody gets it, nobody understands, it's only me. This is too bad, this isn't fair. All of these things become the the narrative of myself as I see God not in it. But when my prayer life grows in such a way that I see God is at hand in my life, just think of what that changed. Now I'm curious, what is God trying to do through this? Because if he's at hand, he knows what's happening. What is he doing through this? And then I know he's a good father, so I know there must be something good that will eventually come from this. Or I know he must be able to give me strength to endure because he wouldn't do this to one of his childs. I'm not an orphan, I'm his child. I'm not alone, he is here with me. It's not happening to me, it's happening for me. I now can have a hopeful perspective. I now can rest in the idea that the Lord is at hand. So it's not the prayer of getting out of it that has changed me, it's the praying with the belief that God really is with me and for me that now changes my perspective on all these things that I'm praying about. It shifts that mindset from praying to get to praying to be, to be with him and to be like him. And that shift is really what God was trying to teach us through this, teach us to pray, It's to move it from prayer as a means to an end, can you get what you want, and praying as the end, can we be with God? I want you to see this highlighted through Jesus' words. John chapter 17, is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. Most of the time in the Bible, prayers are very short. Most things in the Bible are short, right? They just get to the point, it's one verse. Even the Lord's Prayer is like, what, four verses, six verses at the most, it's not a lot. It's just, here's how you pray, it's really quick. But John chapter 17 is this entire chapter of a prayer that Jesus is giving here before he approaches his death. And I want us to highlight and see how the Lord is at hand and how he's praying in that way towards us. Verse 20 of John 17 says this, I do not ask for these only. And he's talking about the disciples around him, his own apostles. He says, I'm not just talking about the disciples with me at this time. He says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me. We are those who believe because of the word of the disciples and the apostles. So this prayer, Jesus, is knowing the future of the church, is knowing our state in the future, and he is praying for you at this moment for you now. And this is a statement. That they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. The Lord is at hand. He's saying, He's bringing to this unity. So he's saying, even this, this bond, the, the Father, the Son, the love, the beauty, the connection, how the everything they did was together in unison, He's bringing us into that relationship. He's saying, we're one. now all of they are one with us. That's amazing. That's amazing his prayer, thinking of us in that way. An outcome of that is so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them. This, this concept needs a whole lot because I don't really understand. The glory of Jesus could be given to us. Now, let's continue. It says that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, you and me. So he repeats it again in this prayer. The oneness, the unity, the connection that God has with you through Jesus Christ. That he is there with you. It says, they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. What an outrageous statement. That God has loved us the same way that he loved Jesus. And that's his prayer. Then he says, Father, I desire that they also, speaking to us directly again, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. The Lord is at hand. His prayer is that we are together, that we see that God is in our lives constantly. In all of those things you're praying for, and all of those difficulties, those struggles, those tragedies, those, those problems that, you, that seem too much for us, he's saying, I am with them, they are with me. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is that key heart of the passage of Philippians 4. The Lord is at hand. He is with you, and in his own prayer, in his own words, he's expressed by repetition that you are with Christ. You are not alone. Whatever it is you're experiencing struggling, Christ is with you, he is in you, he is with you, and you are with him. And then he says the love that, that he shared God the Father and God the Son its the same love that God gives to you. And that is why you cannot be anxious, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understandings, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Because he is at hand. I pray that today you realize that Jesus loves you and that he is with you. That the greatest keystone habit that you could have is to develop a habit of prayer in relationship with God, so that it might reveal to you all of the things that he has for you. Now, what that habit looks like is so different for everyone. In your community groups, you've been able to listen and share what other people do for prayer. Some people have a prayer journal which is, I think, a really cool way to to see how God does things over time. Because people who journal and they write their needs down, then a year later they go back and like, I didn't realize God had answered so many prayers. I can't believe what I thought then and what I know now. And you realize through a journal what God brings you through. Maybe you're an early morning prayer person. You set that clock and you get up and you know you have 30 minutes or an hour or whatever that time set where you say, this is me and God time and I read God's word and I pray and this is what I do. Maybe your habit is to go for a walk. I love prayer walks because you leave kind of like the the distractions of your your laptop and your phone and your house. And you just go and you take a walk and you burn some energy and you start to breathe and you start to think and you start to pray. And it's just you and God for how long you want to walk. Miles. Fasting. Fasting is an intense, concentrated time where you give up so much so that your body feels the lacking that you, you need to feel to, to really just seek God in prayer. And so you fast. Prayer retreats. Sometimes it's good to leave. Get out of your normal routine. Spend two days, three days out in the wilderness somewhere where it's just stuff God made and quietness. And there you are with God. Maybe it's prayer groups. We talked about this last week, how praying with others helps to build up your prayer life because now you hear others' prayers and you learn from them and you begin to interact together and you pray for each other. All of these habits start to round out your prayer life. And so my encouragement to you, what is your habit? Are you a prayer ninja? Do you have like a discipline that you're growing over time? so that you can see these beautiful rewards, so that you will know the love that God has for Jesus is also in you. Let's pray. Father, so good that you are present with us in all things, in the good and the bad. Life is a struggle and we get distracted by the things that are around us, so much so that we forget that you are with us. Just like the song we sang earlier, there's another in the fire. We don't go through these things alone, Jesus. You are with us at all times. God, we just ask that each one here might feel your presence in the need that they have. and God, help us to encourage each other in prayer, to pray together and to pray for each other so we might develop this, this beautiful prayer life in connection with you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we finish out this series now,